0: What's up, family? You are tuned into Law & Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. On today's show,
1: Victoria Law. When we look at correctional officers' unions is that they want to maintain jobs. New York has been closing prisons, which means that there is less need for staff. If you are reducing The number of people in prisons, and you are reducing solitary confinement, this seems to be them losing control.
0: From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. We're turning our uh, attention now to New York, where a corrections officers union is campaigning against new restrictions on solitary confinement. We are joined by Victoria Law, a freelance journalist and the author of Resistance Behind Bars, The Struggles of Incarcerated Women and Prisons Make Us Safer, that's in quotations, and 20 Other Myths About Mass Incarceration. She also co-authored the book Prison by Any Other Name, The Harmful Consequences of Popular Reforms, and her article in The Nation that we're going to be discussing today is These Labor Unions Are Fighting to Keep solitary confinement. A corrections officer's union in New York is campaigning against new restrictions on solitary confinement, and it's not the only union in the country opposing prison reforms. Good morning, Victoria.
1: Good morning, Kat. Thanks for having me on again. Thanks so much
0: for being here. I hope you'll come back lots and lots. We have a very short amount of time to run through a lot. I'm going to jump right in. Uh, What is the Human Alternative to Solitary Confinement Act or HALT?
1: So in New York State, after years and years of advocacy, um, New York passed the HALT Act, Humane Alternatives to Long-Term Solitary Confinement, which limits solitary confinement as we know it, as your previous guest described, to no more than 15 consecutive days. If people have been, and it also limits the type of infractions or rules violations that people can be sent to solitary confinement. So no longer can prison staff give solitary confinement out as a punishment for what they would call minor infractions. It would have to be what they call serious or violent rules violations. And people who are thought to need more time away would be put in what they call a residential re-entry unit, which is supposed to have um, more programming available and more out-of-cell time available rather than being stuck in a tiny little cell for 23 to 24 hours each day. And that went into effect last year. It
0: went into effect last year. And then the New York State Correctional Officers and Police Benevolent Association, uh, which represents uh, correctional, uh, state correctional and police officers, they filed a federal lawsuit trying to overturn Halt. Um, on the basis, and please break, this down for me because I'm so confused that it violated their civil rights.
1: Yes, they filed this lawsuit stating (coughs) that it violated their civil rights because they said that um, not being able to put people in solitary confinement for more than 15 days, not being able to place certain other people in solitary confinement like people who are 21 years or younger or who are pregnant or in the first eight weeks of their postpartum recovery period. And not having solitary as a disciplinary tool endangered their members and thus violated their civil rights. After one year, a federal district judge actually disagreed with that. And in her decision, she wrote that it strains credulity to allege that New York State is constitutionally obligated to allow solitary confinement for people for more than 15 days at a time. But they have been campaigning on this idea that Limiting solitary confinement or locking people up for 23 to 24 hours a day indefinitely violates their civil rights and makes them less safe.
0: One of the other things that they said uh, was that uh, it, it caused, quote, uh, skyrocketing violence, end quote. Um, but the data uh, that was mm-hmm. collected showed actually the opposite was true, right? Which makes sense because if, you know, we spent this last time talking about the mental, emotional impact of solitary confinement. So it totally makes sense that actually it would be a, God, calmer. I can't even imagine using that word, talking about prisons, but I don't have a better one right now uh, place, uh, if the impacts of solitary confinement are reduced. What do you think, uh, Victoria? Because you spent a lot of time covering uh, prisons in this country. What, what is really at the heart of their opposition? Because everything else we just talked about is yes.
1: Well, I think one one of the um, what we have to remember about unions, and I'm not anti-union by any stretch, but when we look at correctional officers' unions, whether in California, New York, other places where um, there are strong correctional officer unions, is that they want to maintain jobs, and if you are reducing The number of people in prisons and you are reducing solitary confinement, this seems to be them losing control. And I mean, what we're seeing in New York is that there's nearly a one to two ratio of staff to incarcerated people. We have more than 17,000 staff members in New York state prisons for roughly 31,000 incarcerated people. So that's a staggering number of staff for incarcerated people. And New York has been closing prisons, which means that there is less need for staff. But if you talk about increased violence and increased assaults and the need for there to be more staff, then you can hold on to those jobs and you can justify having such a large ratio. Um, And you can also justify having these punitive policies that allow them to maintain control, not in the sense of security, but maintain control in a punitive sense over the people that they are guarding
0: i I can't I can't help but make the connection between um, the narrative around pushing mm-hmm. back on defund, right, or reforming mm-hmm. yes. uh, the way we do public safety at the city state level um, with this threat of violence, right, the big boogeyman of violence, yes. and what's happening in these prisons, uh, right. So there's just a national backlash uh, to any progress on reforming the, the way we talk about and implement so-called public safety measures, yeah.
1: Yes, there is. I mean, there is always that pushback and violence is, the, as you said, the boogeyman that you can always pull out and say like, see, see, violence has gone up without actually looking at any of the other circumstances that are happening. I mean, we are entering year three of this pandemic where People in prison have been locked at, subject to lockdowns, medical quarantines. They have not been able to see their family members when prisons stopped visits during the first year or so of the pandemic. And they had limited visits. Perhaps they were not able to touch their loved ones. And there's also the increased stress of worrying about both their own health and safety and the health and safety of their loved ones on the outside. So you put all of that together Included and as well as like a lack of programs and support services, which are never robust in prisons, but dwindled down to virtually nothing during the first year, year and a half of the pandemic. And you're starting to see a powder keg of things that are happening as well. So yes, people are more stressed. People are more likely to talk back or act out. And we see this also in the larger public as we see mental health services, support services, other services being cut. And correctional officers unions and police unions have just said, see, this is why you need more of us. You don't want to defund us. Instead of saying, hey, what are ways in which we can make sure that people with mental health issues um, are getting the help that they need and are less likely to lash out at people? What are ways in which People who are incarcerated are getting the programs or support from family that they need and are thus less likely to be stressed out and lash out at people for little things. But we're not having those conversations when we talk about solitary confinement or defund when we're talking about police officers and correctional officers.
0: Oh, Victoria Live, so much more to talk to you about, but the tyranny of the clock, I've got to leave it there. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We will for sure be reaching out to you to come back. Yes,
1: I would be happy to come back, and thanks so much for covering this.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Victoria Law is a freelance journalist and author of Resistance Behind Bars, The Struggles of Incarcerated Women, Prisons Make Us Safer, and 20 Other Myths About Mass Incarceration. Co-authored the book, Prison by Any Other Name, The Harmful Consequences of Popular Reforms. And her article in The Nation is, These labor unions are fighting to keep solitary confinement. A corrections officers union in New York is campaigning against new restrictions on solitary confinement, and it's not the only union in the country opposing prison reforms. There's also efforts in Illinois uh, Connecticut and on and on. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about our topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law & Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Dusty Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox 5. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law & Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.